0: I'll take a a quick minute before I start this podcast episode to thank the sponsor of the Boostly Podcast, Hostfully, H-O-O-S-T-F-U-L-L-Y.com. They create stunning digital guidebooks that will enhance your guest experience and will give you a fantastic tool in increasing your direct bookings. They link up to your PMS. It's so simplistic to use. You can head over there right now and get two months free of their premium service. All you need to do is, when you're going to check out, put in the coupon section Boostly2M, so B-O-O-S-T-L-Y-2-M, and you get two months free. Okay, enjoy this episode of the Boost Hospitality Podcast, and thanks again to our sponsors, hostfully. The Boost Hospitality Podcast, we're in Season 7, Episode 8, and today... We're talking about GDPR. Uh, before we start, I just want to thank the podcast sponsors, hostfully hostfully help you design digital guidebooks that will wow your guests. Check out Paula Butler's Cockington Cottages. She's been using them and she's told me personally that her guests have commented on how good her guidebook is. Now, you can go get started for free with one guidebook when you want to. Upgrade, make sure you hit Boostly 2M into the promo code for two months free. Now on to this episode, here's what we're going to talk about today. I've got Sean Rogers from My Legal Club. Uh, My Legal Club is a fantastic new service that is a one-stop shop for all of your legal and accountancy services. Sean is a very clever guy and he's on the ball and on the point with all things GDPR. He's going to introduce himself, a bit more about My Legal Club, and then we're going to delve into the topics, which is some of the core basics that you need to be doing a year on since it become law in the UK and Europe. We're going to talk about emails and talk about your website. Make sure you stick around to the end because they are doing a free assessment for your business um, for everything GDPR related. So go to boost.ly.co.uk forward slash my legal club to check out more about the free assessment. Really happy to feature him on there. Uh, Sean's a great guy and I really recommend you check it out in full. As always, please make sure you rate, review and subscribe. Without further ado, please sit back and relax to the Boost Hospitality podcast. What does it mean for small business owners in the the, the UK right now, and and how is it potentially affecting them as we speak?
1: Yeah, so a lot of the rules, in essence, that that were brought in are are pretty similar to things that were in place anyway. The problem was that the Data Protection Act wasn't really being enforced, and it wasn't as, as public, I suppose, and um, in, in essence didn't really serve its purpose and everyone knows everyone haven't they the cold calls um you know I'm, I'm a practicing solicitor i i grew up i suppose in the law in the northwest doing claims and civil litigation we all know about the you know the cold call on ppi rta everyone's at them so everyone can completely understand why data was of, of such importance at that level and cold call and nuisance calls but then at the other end of the scale and you're seeing stuff come out in the press today about um Amazon, Google, loads of stuff to do with private health um, services, data being sold, information being sold, Um, and everything's gone on with Cambridge Analytics, all sorts of stuff. It means that data and and the sensitivity of data is vital. Now, I think the problem is, as with anything, typical lawyers, uh, and I can say that being a a practising solicitor, have, have probably made this and the government far too complicated. I don't think the regulations are that easy to read and absorb. I think the problem for everybody, especially business owners, is why. of course you want to be compliant. But what you really need is a layman's easy to read guide, laying out exactly what it means to you and what areas of your business you need to focus on. And ideally, you need the right templates to follow. And every sort of business is a little bit different. Generally speaking, you want to have the templates and the systems in place. Um, I don't think there's as much to be scared about... um, as possibly what people may think and what's out there i think some of the bigger organizations some some of the huge operations out there probably have things to be scared about um i think you're going to see a lot of publicity over the next couple of months which is going to spook people um that, you know, as an example this week alone there's a big financial leasing company that i'm told has lost passports lost utility bills lost people's bank information lost their email addresses um and it's not just the fines that will come. From the idea you're actually going to have to pay compensation to people for that we're talking about huge organizations here who have you know as i say passports utility bills loads of real sensitive stuff i think people in the sme sector yes some time needs to be dedicated to this and perhaps some small resources need to be uh, dedicated to this which i'll explain and go into but it it, it's nothing that i would be concerned about if you're going to bury your head in the sand do absolutely zero then, yeah, you probably have got a few concerns about it. But if you spend a little bit of time talking to the right people, I honestly don't think you've got anything to worry about maintaining compliance with them. Really straightforward.
0: This is a perfect little segue because what you said there, burying your head in the sand, I think that there's so many people that are doing it. Just sort of burying your head in the sand saying, nah, not for me. This is who the podcast is made for because I'd like to think by now, with all the scaremongering that was going in uh, May 2018, a lot of people have done something. Now, really what I want to dial down to is maybe two of the most important places as as we're sort of talking on a marketing point of view. We're going to focus on website and emails. Now, obviously, there's a couple more avenues to go down, but I guess if anybody wants to find out more, come to My Legal Club and you can do that. But let's just focus on two things then. Website, let's focus on there. dial down there to start off with what is the most essential thing that everybody needs to be doing if you've got a website in recording to be compliant with the gdpr
1: um well the first thing i would say um in in relation to any website nowadays is google for seo purposes likes websites that are secure you can get things like ssl certificates that are really really cheap um Google likes them. That's where you'll get the green padlock and you, in the browser. So if you go on websites that are nice and secure, that's what you'll get. If you use good quality companies um, with really good products and software within them for cyber security and so forth, then it, that's your starting point. I think for your website, and, and I, I think with SEO, Google being so important, it's a no that strategy. So if you've not already done that, I'd have a chat with whoever you host your website with and look at getting your SSL certificate to and check what protection measures they have in place there. Um, I think your starting point will be to make sure that your privacy policy uh, and your privacy notices, cookies, everything like that. So you'll you know yourself. I think you, always a good starting point for me is go on some of the big brands, some of the big organisations that you, you admire from afar. Do not copy and paste <laughs> under any circumstances any of the information, but you'll see the you notices know, pop up, the ability to accept preferences, reject preferences, find out more information, and be able to see what their cookie policies are, privacy notices, et cetera. And the privacy notice is really important because, actually, which I'll go on to, under GDPR, what you need to do, which many don't, is have a privacy policy and GDPR policy that you mirror in all your contracts with vendors. So pretty much what you're going to have on the website is almost going to be mirrored with uh, any suppliers because you might have suppliers where you're sending clients' personal data to them um, for whatever the service or reason may be, or they might have access to that. So you want to make sure you're mirroring those agreements over and and in essence, you're indemnified by them in that route. Um, I would have a look at how you seek... So on your website, have a look at what does your website do to request or record... Or manage consent and information. That's your starting point, really. And um, good hosts, good website providers will have really good up-to-date like cookie plugins and things like this, which don't mean long you're still responsible for that, That's a really good starting point. So, you know, a good host, a good web developer will be able to provide you with really good standard templates to at least start from. And then the second thing that I would go on to do then is in terms of use. This is fantastic some of the big businesses will have real good disclaimers on there and if someone hacks your website and put, put poor information on there or explicit information on there and um, you know you want to be really careful if you have um, you know you might have a blog where you allow people to post comments on the bottom of it and you know, who monitors that who moderates that not necessarily things through gdpr more just good practice for your brand and your business um and just best practice really so i think in your terms of use you can explain a little bit in there about how you want people to use the website and and do it in layman's terms i think you you really are best almost avoiding the law in terms of the way that you explain this and that is part of the regulations it is really important that lay people can read this and also you know you might even want to have a vulnerable person policy on there as well um just because just the coverage basically and I, I think that's the best practice obviously on your website I think the two key areas that everyone in this set is going to be looking at is one how can you build your email list so how are you going to get people to sign up to that newsletter how are you going to get people to engage with your blogs or your articles or whatever it is that you're doing and then the second section is how do you get bookings online and what does that process look like so yeah. starting with the, the newsletter and the blogs I suppose um, you know you must ensure that you have compliance, email, and SMS marketing preferences in there. I mean, that'll overlap with what we'll talk about later in terms of marketing and email marketing, but certainly on the website, um, people need to positively engage and opt in. I've seen some sites where they have a newsletter sign up, but you don't actually tick any boxes for um, SMS marketing. There are others that pre-populate them with ticks. They're no-go. So you need to make sure that the users are fully aware what they're signing up to have a positively opt-in box, if you like, no auto-enrollment. And if you want to do things via SMS, then you need that tick box in there as well. And then obviously, again, a good web developer, a good host, will have these for you to test, for you to trial. You can use a development site, um, so it doesn't have any downtime on the site that you're using. And and you can make sure that that provides a proper clean code so that if you're ever challenged, you know exactly that person signed up, what they opted in for, and what the date was, sync that with whatever CRM system you use, and there's loads of you can use nowadays, things like Zapier and things like that, and that information can be stored on someone else's server, on a big PLC if you like, where that information's there for you to download, if ever requested by the ICO or that individual. In terms of online payments and bookings, um, I I don't know whether you you know your listeners, and the viewers will will, will take payments online, I imagine I'll take bookings. Um, It's sensible to include what the process is in your terms of use, um, you know. as an example, do you use someone like GoCardless, um, who's holding the um, data in terms of bank details, this kind of thing, how secure is that link, um, what kind of information do you need for that booking, to explain why that's the information that you're required to proceed. Um, and then again, you know, a lot of that needs good, clear uh, communication with your web developer um, making sure you've got the correct cybersecurity in place, basically. And I yeah. think if you cover them off, then your website's going to be as strong as anybody else's in, in, in this sector.
0: So uh, just to give you a bit of an insight in, in how short stay accommodation works, 99% of the time, everybody that's watching this or has, has a business, whether it's um, an Airbnb, a hotel, a guest house, rental accommodation, it will be linked up to a third-party a property management system. Uh, most popular ones, free to book, book Avivo, a These are some of the big guys, and all the payments are taken through there. So, have, all of these guys are, are already got their, their compliance in place. So, what you're saying in, in, in essence is just make sure that whatever data is on your website is the same that has been sent to these PMSs, so to speak. Is that, is that sort of what we're saying?
1: Yeah, so you use My Legal Club as an example. You know, I don't hide anything like that. If you go on the homepage, you'll see um, we were closely with Commodore Security for the SSL certificates. We use Salesforce um, as our CRM system uh, and we integrate that with Go Cardless. You know, we're on a sort of Go Cardless direct debit system. So in our terms of use, we basically explain we don't hold our card details, the, the membership information that you sign up for, we have to use that because we use WooCommerce as one of our one of our commercial partners. So yes, 100 percent I would make sure on your website you explain all these things because remember when people are I think people incredibly nervous about this over the next year because of the the stories that are going to come out in the press. Morrison's uh, going through an appeal at the moment to do with a GDPR issue. As I say, when news breaks about this other organisation that have lost passports, utility bills, you're almost getting into the realms of people being scared to put the details in online. You know, um, I only had a call off my missus today about automated messages that she's receiving to do with a HMRC scam and all these kind of things going on. People are really nervous about it. So I think that the more reassurance you can give on your site in terms of big third-party providers that can be trusted that you know are receiving that information and you're not withholding the vast majority of this that's only going to help you i think in terms of people landing on site and feeling safe secure, and then hopefully proceeding with the button to you yeah i
0: mean when uh, you touched upon it and i just want to circle back to it that ssl certificate is key as, as, a, as a starting point for a potential guest arriving on your website if they land on it google now will have a top thing at the top left-hand corner of the screen saying not secure. They click on that, it'll say if you enter your information on here, it could be sensitive to hackers. You know, For a guest experience point of view, if you're thinking like a customer point of view, who in their right mind would continue to go down the route of giving any sensitive information through? You will bounce and they'll go to booking.com, they'll go to Airbnb, and then you're losing your direct booking, which is what we're all about here. It's like cutting down the reliance on booking.com or Airbnb, getting them into your website and making that booking. So, Sean's just given some fantastic little start-off points there. And you may be thinking, shit, that is a lot to go through. But just focus on SSL certificate, making sure you've got a privacy policy, and just being super transparent. Whatever you do, don't just copy and paste what you see on one of these massive websites because that's that's not how we do it. Um, quick question then. Any tools or any apps or anything that you could recommend? Any standard stock policies? Do you have that in my legal club? Anything that that anybody can get hold of if they're thinking, I need to sort of get a bit of help on this?
1: Yeah, completely. I mean, I think before going into anything, it's always worth, you know, dedicating half an hour to do some research yourself. That's the most important thing. No matter who, if you do decide to get any form of advice or outsource anything to anyone, I think, it doesn't matter what service or sector it's in, I think it's good advice just to do some free research. The ICO website, um, whatever you think of this government, I suppose, as well, the government website has plenty of information on it. And I think that gives you a real good starting point, like say, under no circumstances the information, but go to some of the real big websites, go to some of your competitors, have a look at what they're doing, what they're not doing. Um, we offer, we'll be launching, um, I, I think, a brilliant GDPR prof, uh, product um, very shortly, and um, we want to try and offer people the ability to do a quick sort of online assessment, which will be free, so that people can use a sort of traffic light system, see where they're up to on compliance, and then we'll have a range of different products to support them if they want to outsource, and um, we're going to make sure there's plenty of free information on there for people who just want to digest that and do it themselves, absolutely no issues with that whatsoever people want to do the free assessments, they can then, with us, purchase um, a data audit report, as an example, which will give them a list of um, things that they need to put in place to make sure that it's operational. Um, it will be easy for them, I think, to do that themselves. If they then want to, and that's, I'm not doing that myself, it's a top law firm that I'm using, but I've convinced them to actually charge reasonable prices for once. So you'll be getting absolutely top quality service from leading GDPR lawyers, but at an un- unbelievable prices. And then, if you want the law firm to do the work for you again, I've crunched the numbers with them and it is really affordable. Um, I'm just putting the final pieces to it before we launch. So, uh, we've got links to insurers, directors, and officers' cover, all sorts of stuff. Where if you want to go belts and braces on it from a GDPR point of view, we're literally talking about a couple of emails and a lot less than a thousand pounds. We're talking in the hundreds here. For a full solution provided by a law firm. Um, alternatively, people will be able to use our site and the free assessments as a bit of a resource kit for those that would prefer to do it themselves. And each, of the of them, some people might might value doing it themselves and dedicating a fair few hours to it. Others might want to use the law firm, fall back on their indemnity insurance, insurance, some officers cover, a couple of emails, and then not worry about it and get on with doing what you want to do. So, you know, hopefully, we can provide um, some support for everybody.
0: Nice. All right, let's move on into emails because I, again, sort of touched upon it um, when we're talking about websites, but let's focus on emails. Now, as we all know, just because a customer has stayed with you, come via um, your website in the past, book directly in the past, booking.com, Airbnb, Expedia, however you get them, that doesn't mean that you can then add them to your email list and start sending them emails. Now, what are the best common practices that people should be adhering to with this, Sean, moving forward in a post-GDPR world?
1: Yeah, 100%. I, I'm seeing this from a lot of, I won't name them, of course, but I'm seeing this from a lot of big organisations that I think are, are going to get themselves in a little bit of my idea in that um, it's still unbelievably people you know, if you're using someone big, let's say you use MailChimp or something equivalent to MailChimp, for an example, they're really good at having like the unsubscribe or opt-out options in there. But I'm still seeing stuff from other companies that don't use that kind of product, who are not including an obvious opt-out. The other mistake that people make is that uh, it doesn't matter what service you're using, really, but you might have an existing client, for example, and then actually you're perfectly entitled to email them. Or whatever that product is. perfect example, I'm sat in a train station right now, so I booked some train tickets with Virgin, and they're perfectly entitled to text me to say, reminder about your train tomorrow, reminder that your train is here, your train has been delayed, as per usual with Virgin or whatever. What they can't then do, unless I've opted in, is start sending me text messages or emails two days later to say that you know, they're offering a discount on services to London, or they've got a new line going to Leeds, or whatever it be. That's where people uh, are having making big mistakes on GDPR, adding people into their list where they've been a client or a former client and then things are there again. And the problem with this, without scaring anybody, is you only have to type GDPR into Google and all you are going to see at the top is lawyers now. It's, it's happened over the last eight weeks um, because of some of the big um, say fines that are going to come out, some of the big issues that are going to come out. This is going to be publicised heavily and I think people are going to start being told, look, you need to be seen. Checking what emails you received, what texts you received, where did you get your opt in, Um, have you had any email data? It's lost. Now it's bizarre, and the way the courts have viewed this in a very dim light. So if you lose email addresses, you're liable to compensation and fines. You don't have to prove any loss. So it's not to spook anyone, it's something that's the big operations that it affects. And the most important thing for the people listening to this is it? have a look at your email list and double check that they actually opted in for email, marketing, and SMS. If the clients from PR are coming into force, I would drop them another email and just check what their preferences are. And um, again, a good web developer and a good host will have um, real easy to use you know, like newsletter opt-ins and things like this. So it should not be a big problem. People, either you know, former clients who you've been marketing not raising an objection it's worthwhile just contacting them again and saying you're on our email newsletter list you were here prior to GDPR you assume you're still happy just to remind you can always unsubscribe or opt out and that would be my best guide there on your website I would say you've got to make sure as I say that your email list has people opting in SMS preferences and probably the biggest problem for the people listening now um, which I've seen in other businesses is when they use Not in this sector, but use another area. Brokers, people who use um, mortgage brokers as an example. People who use uh, mortgage brokers, insurance, whatever sector you want. When there's a middleman like booking.com as an example, or Airbnb, it might be that they're capturing the email preferences um, and and email marketing opt-in. When that then comes through to you, it doesn't mean they've opted in for your specific marketing. So you need to get them opted in before you market to them too. Um, and to be honest, I don't think um, I don't think you've got anything to worry about on it, but I wouldn't be surprised if next year you start getting a few people emailing saying, did I opt in, where did I get this cheque, and if nothing else, you don't want the administration of it, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, that would be my recommendation for best practice. Separate your email, listen to people who are pre-GDPR coming into force and then the people who have been joining subsequently, and double-check that if you're asked, can you prove that they opted into you, or are you just have you made a mistake? But if you've made a mistake, there's no problems with this. It's not like losing um, email, data and email list. where you the ICO. The ICO have actually come out now, actually, and said that they're getting too many reports. Um, and whilst they like the transparency of that, businesses aren't understanding what the threshold is. I think as long as you, your newsletters have got a real good unsubscribe and you're just being honest with people, it, which shows a great report. So look, we value GDPR seriously. And um, we want to make sure that you've all opted in. You've got the ability to opt out. We want to keep sending you all these great offers and services. If you're not happy, please hit the unsubscribe button and then you've got a cleanse sorted straight away.
0: Well, I think this is the the cool thing about MailChimp. Free to get signed up. It's super transparent. So as soon as you're on the sign-up form of MailChimp, it gives you that uh gives you that very visible tick box. And MailChimp has, has drastically changed in the last 12 months. And I speak as somebody who not only uses it, but I show the people how to use it as, as well. And everybody who's watching this will, 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 will sort of testify is that if you're looking for the, the cheapest email marketing solution, get on MailChimp because it's free and it is GDPR to the eyeballs. So if you're wanting to get emailing, because emailing is so important, it's so important to get in front of potential guests or previous guests and you've not yet started or you don't really know what to do, just go check out MailChimp.com. It is free. You can get signed up and you can then start using that as your email platform. But again, um, I think what, what Sean is saying there, and, and I think that the message that wasn't there maybe 12 to 18 months ago is that as long as you're being transparent, as long as you've got a very clear unsubscribe option in your emails, then you will be okay. You know, um, as, as long as you're saying to somebody, you know what, you're on our email list, can we still email you? If not, here's an unsubscribe button, click that you won't hear from us again. Um, just the other thing as in- well, of course, I was
1: gonna say the other thing of course, is that um, if you're providing value, and you know, if you're providing, um, people on your email list with great value and you're not pestering them so they're not getting an email every two hours then I, weirdly you're not going to have any problems are you? In essence I'm not saying for one minute ignore your GDPR compliance obligations but if you are providing incredible value to them and it's something that they enjoy reading and you're providing great content I mean, you could make this part of your content you could say look this is how um, important it is for us to be compliant with GDPR this is how serious we take your bookings we want to take you through have a look at some of these news stories about some of the big organizations that are being fined for this. That's not us. This is how serious we take it. This is how we operate. So every time you want to book with us, you want to come back to us, you have absolutely nothing to worry about. You know, this is what we've done internally. This is what we've done. Or we, these are the solicitors we've engaged. You could make great content out of this. And I think as long as you're providing great value to people and it's not sell, sell, sell. And that's the big problem nowadays without changing the topic of this um, this show people are sick of being sold to. Now it's more American model, which is providing an incredible value and um, making people believe that they're getting 80% value and out of your 20 that they're getting the better end of the deal and then building that rapport. And then the sales will come after that. But, but focusing your time on great content I think is more important than the size of the list necessarily and how often you use that list because if you've got great content, the list will grow, people will stay, people will read it.
0: Yeah. 100% and we're talking at the time of the year now where all of those emails that you, uh, all those channels that you subscribe to maybe a year ago are going to start bombarding you with sales email. You were, we're coming up to Black Friday sales, Cyber Monday, we've got all the Christmas ones. It's, uh, it's that time of the year that I love to do a spring clean of of who's going to pepper my inbox with with sales emails but you're 100% spot on. If, if, if you take a different light to email marketing and you instead of just send an email to your guests or potential guests with sell 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 and maybe start to talk about the local area so what is there to do in Merseyside but not not just like a copy and paste from like the tourism of Merseyside just talk about what you like to do think about your guest in mind where do you like to go where's those hidden gems things like that share what's share what's going on that you like to do and what your guests like to do and you know you, you're not going to get loads of loads of unsubscribes. If anything, people will start to look out for your emails and that is what you want. So I think there's so much to take away from this. Um, again, don't worry about it. Just make sure you've got your systems and your structures in place. I would 100% recommend getting on to, to My Legal Club and I'll make sure that all of the links are in the show notes for this. Um, but it, like you say, like Sean said, you could spend couple of hours going for all the due diligence yourself doing the google checks or you could just head on to to my legal club investor a couple of hundred into it and just know that in the back of your mind listen you're safe so you can focus on what you really want to be doing which is looking after your guests um
1: now the other thing i was just going to say as well sorry is um the most important thing i think for um to consider is who has access to your logins and your passwords. I suspect most of the personal data is gonna be stored with big organizations like like we've referenced before, your booking.coms, might be with your go whatever, your internet banking. Key thing is, think you know you might have stuff um, in your WordPress dashboard and your site, as an example. You might have stuff in Mailchimp about all your subscribers. You might have stuff in Salesforce, as a perfect example, or to book. Who has your login details? Um, are you logging into your account in in what they call like honey hot spots basically where people can rob your login and password? Um, do you allow the tight-knit group of people, like your web developers, to download stuff onto their laptops, download stuff onto the PCs, put stuff into Excel spreadsheets? They're the little dangers for you because you only need one person to fall out with you and potentially they can go and post it on the internet or email lists or whatever. And I think whilst it's while you leave personal data with third-party organisations, you've got nothing to worry about. Just remember, there's the login details and the ability to export reports. So I think what you basically do is, any I say when you're working with third parties, you have your privacy policy in those contracts. So for instance, say you're using a social media management team or you use a web developer or you use someone freelance to do something, you can have in there. You are not permitted to download reports. You are not permitted to save these on your PC, laptop, whatever. You're not allowed to work in these kind of um, areas, if you like, where we think we're going to be um, at risk, so to speak. Uh, and again, nothing too complex there. That's just being absolute belts and braces.
0: Yeah. You, you mentioned earlier that you're going to be bringing in a, a free GDPR assessment. So if anybody's watching this and wants to sort of find out more about when you do offer that, where, where and how is the best place that they could find out more about that or, or get a notification from you when that's in?
1: Yeah, I mean, it'd be fab if, you know, on our, our homepage at the, at the bottom, you can sign up to our newsletter for free, so touch wood. Um, fingers crossed that I'll look a right idea if this goes wrong, but we've got SMS preferences on there. So if you can remember to tick the email preferences for me, please, um, and fill in those details. And what we'll do, is we'll um, I'll, I'll, I'll be putting some special discounts together um, for everybody who signs up to the newsletter after this show. Um, and yeah, as soon as we're ready to launch the free assessment, we'll push that out to everybody. Um, and then as I say, you'll have an, an arrange, a, array of options to consider whether it be the insurance, whether it be an audit report, whether it be lawyers helping you with it, or whether it just be the new content that we'll be publishing on the site so that you can take it away and put this into operation yourself. And we offer a load of other different products, like I explained, so it's never a bad thing um, to have the newsletters. We're extending the business service all the time. So, it might be that your PL insurance comes around and you want to see if you can get a better quote. And I hope that it increases productivity for people because in a way, people can just throw their bits and pieces over to the business services club and we'll make sure they get free no-obligation quotes. Um, We have a fantastic uh, partner who's offering a hybrid um, accountancy QuickBooks Solution S, so you have an app that takes care of and and the sort of bookkeeping side of things from a digital point of view. You have a fully trained accountant sat in the background. I don't know if if people listen to this like me, but it was a difficulty for me because I'd hired a bookkeeper on a digital uh, app, if you like, which was nice and cheap, but you'd have to do a bit of uh, homework on it. And the next thing, you're getting a big bill from an accountant and and it didn't really work for me. Like everyone else, I just want a monthly, monthly budget where I pay a fee and that's what these guys do. And I think they've mixed the best of the world. It's perfect for... Anyone self employed, micro businesses, them kind of people. So, again, I use them. They're absolutely phenomenal. Great people, great new product. Um, and if you're interested in having a look at that or getting a free quote, just sign up to the newsletter. Um, we'll ping you some information over on that. And it, it's well worth getting a free quote from them because it's a unique, it's a really good service they offer. I couldn't recommend it more highly.
0: Nice. So there's loads of places. Like we said at the start, it's, it's a one a one stop shop. I'll I'll get all the, sh- the the links in the show notes. But quite simply, if you just go to booster.co.uk forward slash my legal club, it'll take you straight into the site. You can scroll down to the bottom, get signed up to the to the newsletter. And like Sean's saying, when they've got the GDPR free assessment in place, uh, you can run that through and just make sure that you are stock checked because by the sounds of it. Uh, from the insight that Sean has, there's going to be a, a lot of a lot of chat about this in the coming weeks and months in, in, in the press. So it's better to be safe than sorry. Uh, Sean, thank you very much for doing this. I uh, really appreciate it. And you can now go and, uh, and get your train. I just want to say thank you to everybody for tuning in. This has been season seven, episode eight of the Boostly podcast. Before we go, I just want to say thank you to hostfully that are the sponsors of the podcast. If you want to get a digital guidebook, For your properties that a guest can access when they arrive, check your Wi-Fi code, get all the how to use a hub and all that jazz. Those digital guidebooks are are, are really effective because they're just replacing those uh, paper ones that you leave on the fridge that no one ever reads. So go check out uh, hostly.com. You get two free months if you put in Boostly 2M. Uh, I'll be back very soon for another Boosted Podcast, but for now, thank you very much for tuning in. Please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe so it goes higher up those iTunes charts and uh, we get more eyes on it. All right, everybody, thank you very much for tuning in.